Boom! It's a Sunday evening. Uh, who cares what time it is, what day it is. The point is we're getting a podcast out. And uh, I'm not even going to hide it. We're going to click right on over. We're going to welcome our guest who's got a... There's not even a picture. Anyhow, it's it's our good friend from Motion RC, Alpha. And Alpha and I were chatting earlier this evening and just said, Hey, you want a bench fly? And then what did Alpha say? I said, hey, <laughs> just like that, right? <laughs> uh, it's good to get him back. We have not had you on the show for a while, and we just figured, like I said, we'd uh, just get together and chat. You guys got a couple of products. There's a couple of neat little things that have come out from other industry friends, and yeah. uh, so we'll talk about planes because uh, if you're on the east coast of uh, North America, you're still crunching around in the snow. The west coast are having a good time and everything. Uh, aviation and fun poses a question right away. The twin otter or a Piper Cherokee? I'm going to go with the twin otter because that thing looks oh, awesome. Otter. Yeah, it looks Absolutely. awesome. It looks like really awesome. Uh, so, and, uh, so for those who are wondering, yes, there's still snow. I no, I haven't flown. I've been a terrible, terrible RC pilot. Um, but if you've called jumping trucks off snowbanks, RC trucks off snowbanks, uh, I got air. So, <laughs> yeah, so, you had the Mavic Mini last week. That came Yes, yes, and we will talk about drones. We will talk about those little, the egg. I flew the little egg X or power X or whatever it's called. There's the power egg, which is the giant one, and the other one. We'll talk about that, too, because uh, uh, the mini stuff is pretty cool. I don't know if you've gotten your hands on a mini yet, Alpha, or not. Uh, The Mavic Mini? Yeah. I've got two of those. Those are excellent. I've got got two. I bought one, love it so much, figured I need a B-cam. Uh, in the air and went out and got a second highly recommended yeah that's interesting because you're not the first person to tell me that that when it comes to shooting um footage and everything it's like the ultimate second camera person without you know actually needing because you can just pop that sucker in the air and hold it and the the quality of the footage off it is actually for what it is the size of of the optics on that little guy and um, yeah so myself and captain drone uh who's uh who's a fellow um uh, who's a fellow pilot here uh, in Ottawa? We were flying and just, just he wanted to know what my reaction was to this aircraft, and I absolutely loved it. And um, what really surprised me was the obviously the down angle is nice, but it's the up angle which is pretty impressive. So uh, it's uh, it's it was fun to shoot it, and it was good for me to get my sticks back on, you know, flying around and doing orbits, not assisting, you know, not worrying about all the, the, the extra functions of, the, of what the aircraft could do. I did fly it into a tree. I hit it, I tapped a tree, a couple branches, and it didn't crash. I caught it, but it was still, <laughs> you know, classic me flying into a tree with someone else's quad. Um, but it is an intriguing piece of kit, and uh, I keep wondering if I'm going to... Um, if I'm going to get one, or if I'm going to be get a used one, or if I'm going to wait for V2. Yeah, if they open up wider control to to the camera settings, if they give yeah. us more manual, more control over ISO, shutter speed, those types of things, I think that'd unlock the machine. But I think that's just a firmware update. I'm hoping DJI would just roll it out in firmware and not require us to buy a whole new piece of hardware kit. But you never know. Um, in the meantime, I'm enjoying mine. Well, this is it. I think the only gripe I really saw from people talking about it was the um, the color balance, the automatic color balance. And, and, you know, for me, it's like, come on, just lock that exposure and we'll refine. Whatever goes, I can fix it in post. But, yeah, all those things. But 
again, for what it is and what you can do with it, I was, I, I, and the runtime on the runtime on those little batteries was super impressive. Yeah, amazing, right? Twenty-five minutes, easy. I've seen some um, some really far distance flights, and in a little battery. I mean, the amazing thing for me is I can literally put it in a jacket pocket and always have it with me uh, when we're on site. When I'm going to a factory, I've I've flown it indoors, which is something I would never do with with any other sort of camera equipped drone with with a camera that that well at least uh, that that high res at least. And you can just sort of, you can do so much with it. It sort of has actually replaced my gimbal uh, and my glide cam setups just because you can select the object tracking yeah. and walk through frame or have something RC through frame and it, and it, it keeps it in, in, the, in the frame, which is pretty neat. It is, uh, and I was, what what set off the whole flying it again was uh, I got to last week, uh, the week before, uh, we did a little power egg video, and uh, it was funny because I was all pissed because Steve calls me up and he says, oh, I only got a bit of your footage, and uh, it turns out there's on the back of the remote, there was a button I didn't realize I was touching, and I kept turning the video on and off, right, but it was so cold. But oh well, we still he still managed to make a really fun video with it, and so. But the Mavic Mini, when I went out and flew that, I I flew three packs, and that'd been the most I'd flown in a long time. By the time I was done, my fingers were good and melted, um, <laughs> <laughs> not melted, good and frozen. I should say. Look at that, it's late and I'm tired and I'm rambling. But uh, th- th- I was just so cold. But I was having we were having so much fun, and uh, there were um, there was there was people out fishing, ice fishing on the lake. And so I, we were able to go out and just do nice little orbits. And, you know, the chase cam was a Phantom 4. And that thing just made so much noise in comparison to what the, the little Mini was doing. And the, the, I was really impressed with the, um, with one, I was using my iPhone, my XR, and I had full, I had no issues seeing the video on it and no range issues. Now, you got to turn with the craft because you're just over, you know, you're just over a bit of a... Um, uh, you know, Wi-Fi single, it's it's not bad. It's not, you know, super range like the some of the bigger aircraft, they're bigger uh, um, quads and drones, but still. Uh, and uh, uh, Benny UAV says, the most important thing is the Mini is below 250 grams, which is a lot. Yes, I mean, and the fact that they were able to do that is stunning, eh? Yeah, super impressive. All that it can do, for 249 grams <laughs> i love the tongue-in-cheek sort of yeah <laughs> right on the limit so yeah. here's 249 <laughs> yeah yeah with the sd card installed <laughs> but uh yeah yeah with you know, the sd card but so later on this summer that is going to be like you said that is going to be our b cam when we're shooting videos and we're doing like rc carvis and stuff like that you know and it's just going to be so simple to uh, to just get into spots with it and just hang out and hover and track vehicles and w- the creative ability is to, sh- to just roll this into any kind of YouTube videos and everything and just produce more and more content is just phenomenal. So, you know, kudos on them. It, it's funny that uh, I'm still waiting. Maybe we'll see later on this summer if someone else comes up with a competitor, but I think they've just slam dunk it and V2 is only going to get better when they figure out how to get some on- extra onboard um, you know, onboard equipment, just the, the uh, some of the optics and the sensors, sensors and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's still. I mean, if you if you get tapped by this thing, it's gonna hurt. But it's not like if you got tapped by a Phantom Four or something, right? So, <laughs> yeah. it's still. I yeah. mean, and 
it for its speed and size it was still it moved along so again pretty impressive so if will it hit the uh the fleet uh, for me who knows uh right now i just want to make sure and this is part of when we'll talk when we get into the bench talking is just there are a ton of airplanes that i want to fly and i've had some interesting conversations over the winter with friends and it's like you know oh you should you know get out and fly everything you want and uh, and it's funny I, I think i've come to a point in the hobby where it's like i don't want to just fly one aircraft once i want to be able to fly them all and so i can give a really good idea of what they are and how they are but it's interesting because i got you on in the hot seat tonight and we can probably talk about you know do you think the industry is rolling too fast do you think that that you guys are putting out stuff so fast that people are just buying and not really getting the opportunity to savor or is it just you know the east coast people thinking ah i get like you know four months a year to fly um (laughs) i think people are becoming more and more creative that's that's for certain, um, well, trying to find some sort of way to get some sort of RC fixing. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? yeah, and, and and again, you know, I don't even want to get into all this stuff. I mean, like tonight's show, the whole purpose of tonight's show is to bring some people. <laughs> it's been a nutty day. It's been a nutty couple of weeks for the entire globe, but we're not even talking a little bit of stuff. We're talking a lot of crazy stuff. So the whole, we're, we'll, we'll keep the politics low and everything, but... Um, you're right, uh, and you guys, I, I, I always do hats off. You guys have really been able to capture a uh, uh, and really ignite uh, a lot of creativity. Um, um, Bill keeps telling me to get Callie on board, the pod, get her on the podcast to talk about some of the stuff she's been doing because your yeah. airliner. The, the the airliner alone has probably kept her so busy, and and the schemes coming out and everything. <laughs> yes. And I don't know if she likes us or doesn't, but well, uh, it certainly kept her very busy. <laughs> well, it, it's it's funny because Bill was telling me that there's there's schemes there that uh, she doesn't even want to put out because she doesn't want to get any seasons. She wants to give the the products to the clients, but doesn't want to have to deal with the the copyright issues. And I get that completely, right. as you know. And because we saw some stuff, uh, we saw some stuff with the flight test group when they were doing Red Bull stuff, and Red Bull was was going after people. And it's like, look, we're just putting your logo on an airplane, right? It's nothing big or crazy. But I can see, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, business people wanting and, and you know wanting to protect her, something that she's built from the ground up and everything. And actually, I she was very passionate when they were talking about all the. And I'm I'm gonna go what I said I do and do but talking about the FAA stuff it was really it was really fascinating because she in her post was talking about her backstory and like so I said uh, totally got to get her on the podcast I understand she lives in a little bit of a remote area so not so sure about the the quality of the of the Wi-Fi and everything so I might have to yeah. get creative and we might have to do a phone <laughs> well this is it this is sort of the internet Worst case scenario, you know, call her up on my cell phone and patch my cell phone into the system, right? So it's it's yeah. There's got to be a way. There's where there's a will, there's a way. But uh, it'll be yeah. fascinating. But it really feels like I honestly have to say I feel like your airliner um, really was the really tipped off a lot of creative change in in the group and everything. Actually. I don't know if you've got those stats on hand, but do you know um, you you had one with decals and then you had a plain white? Willing to bet that the plain white did better. Um, actually, <laughs> um, 
it it did and it 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 did and it didn't. I think there we had a few different reasons for that. I think now that we look at it from sort of three months now uh, in hindsight, what ultimately happened was people just wanted the aircraft. So at the outset, when we, when we sort of had both, yeah, a lot of people trended towards base white. But once they came out and the base whites sort of sold out, people shifted towards they just want the airplane. They'll they'll paint over our decals or they'll fly our decals. Uh, and they bought whatever they could, whatever was in stock. And then when the PNP, uh, when our liveries went out of stock and the base whites came up, those were those were snapped up as well. So it's been it's it's nice to know that the aircraft itself is popular regardless of the livery. Um, it's just sort of testament to how many people came out of the woodwork and say, "I'm an artist and I want to I want to try my hand at this." We just concluded last uh, Friday our. Our uh, our sweepstakes. We had a competition of over 200 people posted photos of their customized airplanes, and a great many of them were AL37 airliners. There's <laughs> a lot of um, Tiger Cats and Warbirds, Corsairs, and and right through the line, a lot of A4s, Avantis. But um, yeah, it's exciting just to see people doing this. It's nice to know we're not the only ones, you know. Very cool. Very cool. Um... While we're on the subject, do you guys, earlier on when we were chatting about all these aircraft and everything, you kind of said this was you testing your market share and seeing what would work. Do you foresee, do you foresee something like this, you know, being a catalyst into more things into the future? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, if anything, we learned... <laughs> We learned yet again, we were reminded that there are so many different facets to RC aviation, so many categories we haven't yet explored, so many categories that have sort of been sleeping, we could say, uh, while our focus has shifted towards other things. But it's nice to see that you can sort of shift that focus, that spotlight back towards a category. And there are people who are going to be there waiting, saying, I want to fly that. Um, so that's sort of, that's informed our Informs the wrong word. That that has sort of strengthened our our mindset going into 2020, 2021, and, and as we're looking at our pipelines over the next couple of years to come, just sort of seeing some of the surprises and feeling a bit more confident about how they'll land. Um, and that all of that, as we've talked sort of over the years now, all of that figures into how big we go with something. We not in physical size, but just how you know how hard we push with the to drive a specific project out there. Um, it makes us feel good, makes us feel more confident. So thank you to everyone who's who's let us know, who's spoken. Yeah. So I don't know if you can tell us number-wise, has this one been, like, for, 20, for 2019, well, this one came out, well, this came out last summer, so, um, you know, was this thing one of your top, top tens? Uh, easily. Yeah, she's, yeah. A, she's a top three bird. Nice. Um, nice. And it wasn't just the subject matter. I think it was how it flew. You know, I've had airliners in the past. Um, and there's a way that an airliner, I think we, we expect them to fly. And uh, this one, we were just we were just sort of lucky in how things came together, that it, it flew how we wanted it to fly. It was the size people sort of wanted, big enough to have presence, but not too large where you can't really transport it. Um, there's always going to be a market for a 
for a twin 120 millimeter uh, Airbus 320 or something like that. But, you know, having that everyday man's everyday airplane uh, in this category, I think, is where we really, again, stuck the landing. And so it just... It isn't. It isn't stopping either. We, we're still having struggles keeping them in stock, which is a good thing. So that all I can crazy. say is thank you. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Well done, well done. And uh, I guess while we're into, I've got the uh, Motion RC page up on the uh, uh, on the stream, so people can look. But um, you guys, uh, you know, you you were you were busy throughout the the early winter and everything, and surprised us. With a, and it's funny, look at that. That thing's out of stock already. Uh, the T33, your 80 millimeter, your well, well sorted 80 millimeter uh, power plant. Um, can you talk us through that airplane a little bit? Yeah, the T33 was one of our little surprises. It's one of the airplanes, one of the projects that I think if people look back year by year, there's always sort of something which people sort of have an idea of something's coming. Um, there's all sort of something we say, hey, it, it's here it is. Um, and the T-33 was one of the latter birds. We, we didn't talk about it. We, we really didn't um, we, re- we really didn't do anything about it because the focus was on the airliner. Uh, th- that's exactly as we wanted, such that people can talk about that aircraft, sort of fall in love with it. We have a fervor for airliners, and then people who sort of said, hey, I, wanna, I want an 80 millimeter. I want to get back to another type of aircraft, we were able to really quickly say, don't worry, we've got you covered too. And what we're sort of seeing, the, the theme throughout the past year or so has been not just giving sort of the higher end customer something to fly and really fall in love with and operate, but also sort of seeding the ground for the next generation of, of jet pilots in the context of like free wing jets. We're trying to do this for Balsa and accessories and, and smaller warbirds. But in the context of free wing, it isn't just about ever faster, ever larger, ever more expensive uh, aircraft. The T-33 was sort of a return to form saying, if you've never flown an EDF, but you've got good warbird experience, you can probably, I'm not going to recommend the airliner to you, but the T-33, that's an easy recommendation. At the same time, all of our Avanti drivers and our Stinger 90 drivers who want something very quick, people who are now L-39 drivers who love that balance between scale and sport acrobatics um the t33 was sort of that natural fit um so it was nice we did a an air force scheme and also a german luftwaffe scheme to sort of highlight the fact that this was an early generation jet fighter in the 50s right after the world war ii already we see sort of the walls coming down and the west working with germans and their flanner aircraft i thought there was some sort of poetic Peace in in how that aircraft transitioned us out of a wartime posture to a to one um, where we were partnered with the West. So. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's interesting because I mean, yeah, like this this aircraft was used by so many nations as a, as a primary trainer and everything. So uh, I saw that was like, ooh, <laughs> of course, you know. Uh, the, the the timing is always lousy when you when you guys roll out a plane late in the year for for uh, well I mean your West Coast guys they get all the treats I I will always say they how do. jealous I am because they got <laughs> to fly these things right away now I always love asking this question of you do you find you do better when you guys roll out an aircraft that is retro like especially on the jets versus the modern stuff 
or is there just uh, that is, there, is that divide still question. there? There's there's still a divide, but the divide is narrowing. You know, last year we did uh, we did the 90 millimeter f4, with the Raptor, and the f18 and the f35. So we we jumped from generation twos to generation fives within the span of three months. <laughs> um, and then here comes an airliner out of the blue, and, and then it, we're back to classic jets with one of the very first operational ones in the world. So what we're seeing is that, yes, well, I think people have their preference. Everyone has their unicorn, their, their top five. Increasingly, if something flies well, people will want to fly it. That's really the, that's, that's the secret to success. That's, that's the, that's the, that's the sauce. jewel you want to find. Yeah, you, you want a market to be one which is saying, if it's good, we want it. Um, if we have people saying, I only want a classic jet, it becomes problematic because we can't only make classic jets. We're going to need to do modern jets because we have customers saying, we want this too. So yes, there are people who only want what they want, but increasingly people will just fly, they'll fly anything. I, I've seen people buy into this T-33 or even the airliner for that matter that I never imagined. I didn't design it for them. <laughs> I never imagined that they'd be an airline driver, but here they are. Um, so it's good to be surprised in that way. We focus on just, if it flies, people will have fun. Nice. We'll let the data speak for itself. Yeah. Well, and, and like you've, you've said before, that, that power plant now is, I'm, I've lost count how many aircraft that, that 80 mil power plant is in. Is that, uh, that's what, three, four, five aircraft at this point? You got your yes. Ronnie, you've got, yep. is it, and then you, I know I saw somewhere that you, I think you dropped it into the uh, the Sabre after a while? Yep. And then we put in the Sabre, the F5, the A6. Um, so it's, and what else? A6, L39's coming. Yeah, we've tried, to, we've tried to hone over the years. We've done this for six years now, trying to develop different power systems sort of listening to customers feedback saying we like that power system but we'd like it we pay a little bit more for something a little bit faster okay or we like that power system that you have now but we prefer a bit more efficiency because we want to fly longer and all of those sorts of things it's sort of this this ebb and flow trying to not swing from either end of the pendulum but try and find sort of that happy medium as the market coalesces around we want four minutes flights not two you know, we want X amount of sort of amps and consumption, not not Y. Um, we want this type of balance between sound and speed. All of those sort of things people are sort of standardizing around themselves, and we're just sort of listening to them. And this most recent iteration on the T33 was really born out of what we did on Hobby Squawk. We said, do you guys want us to move to inrunners? And we can. We've had them for years, but they've always been sort of the upgrade version. Do you want them baked into the aircraft? And people said yes. And so we did it. And from the F-35 to now the T-33, those new releases being in-runner, nine blades sort of out of the gate, people have responded and, and shown us that they meant what they said. <laughs> so it's always nice when a plan comes together. You develop something according to what people want. And um, so far it's worked out. And we are going to be, as we mentioned on Squawk, we're going to be rolling out those sort of a new standardized power system across all of our aircraft in 80 and 90 millimeter size that we think better reflects what people want, you know, in 2020, not 2015. Say. Interesting. So 
does that mean you guys are finding a little, well, I mean, okay, you know, obviously the economy is doing some weird stuff and we're seeing some pain. Um, and this helps when, from your, from your volume purchasing. And like you said before in previous podcasts, you know, bank and by buying X amount from, from X supplier, you can reduce your overhead and everything. But are you starting to see, is that, is the technology peaking? Or has it peaked already? Um, yeah, peaking is an interesting concept. I think, um, I don't think it has. No, I, what, I think, what I think is actually happening is, is sort of, there are ceilings between what people will naturally pay for a good that's sort of a hobby good. There's always going to be someone out there dropping $7,000 on a turbine, but it's, it's obvious yeah. to all of us that, that person is always going to be in the minority. Um, and, and that's okay. You know, not every, not all of us need to have turbines. Um, but what I think we're seeing is that the expectation by most of our customer family on the balance between cost, uh, performance, price, different from cost, not your initial cost, but also operating costs, how do you transport it, serviceability, all of those sorts of things. That sort of bar, I'll call it, has risen um, um, and has sort of stopped rising. I, I wouldn't characterize that as, oh, that means now the market appetite for a $500 jet has peaked. I'd say, well, no, just people have sort of crystallized around the idea of 500 bucks is sort of as much as we most of us would like to pay. Um, you know, I think that that new F100 that came out, uh, that they announced at least uh, last week, I think I hope it's a massive success. I think it's a good size. I think um, it's a good price, a good feature set. I think that's more of what um, five years ago, something like that would be considered a super high-end, super just inaccessible aircraft. Now it's the golden age where even the very best of things become sort of commonplace. So if that's a peak, I would say it's a good one. Um, and I can say that the people aren't leaving the hobby, at least not not as far as we've seen. <laughs> and and just so people are, who are listening, uh, the F-100, that is from Flex. And they actually, I've got pictures up of that thing right now. And yeah, it was funny because I was talking to a friend uh, who who's a Flex fan as well. And uh, Flex had just released uh, about a week ago. I'd come up and said, um, well, we're going to do the, 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 the Flex jet in a composite. And I was like, ooh, that's kind of a neat idea. Because, you know, if you ever scrap your fuse, well, if you don't have to buy a foam fuse, you can now just drop all the same gear into the composite. And then I was like, well, they really haven't done anything new or interesting in a while. And then pop, here's a 90 millimeter uh, F100 yeah. Sabre. And it looks, it looks great. Um, from, from, from a, and they even did paint, which was like, wow, that's, this is, this is a big leap for flex. So this is, um, you as a competitor are probably going, Hey, okay. You know, yeah. game on. Right. But good. Well, right? not really. I mean, you know me by now. I mean, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a hobbyist first. I mean, I'm, if, if I had access to one here, I'd get one because, um, I think I posted about this in Squawk a couple of days ago. It seems people, for some reason ask me what what my read is on things like this are and uh, in my humble opinion as i had said and i've said in the past i mean what this hobby needs globally is it needs need as in desperately needs requires even um 
a string of consistent, healthy, dependable manufacturers mm-hmm. and distributors and, and, and resellers and service providers. That's what this hobby needs. Um, we can't do it ourselves. <laughs> And uh, we don't intend to. You know, we, we want other people. We, we celebrate other people. I was just talking in, in a chat earlier a few minutes ago about flight test. Um, what they do and what we do and what Flex is doing and what so many other manufacturers and sort of RC industry, you could say, uh, forces are trying to do is keep this hobby together. And um, as, as long as what we and everyone else is doing is something that's safe and something that's, again, dependable and consistently sort of serviceable, then we all win. We're spoiled for choice here. I mean, I think uh, oh, yeah. I look around at the number of aircraft I've, I have in, in any nook and cranny in any place that I live, and it's... Um, it's excessive, <laughs> but, but it's a good thing, right? <laughs> and you know, it's you, yeah. you, you make up that point, and um, I have a very, very patient spouse, but even I'm at a point where, with my um, with my hobby and my uh, the sheer quantity of aircraft in this basement is terrifying, and I'm at to the point where it's like. I feel like, okay, hoarding is a bad word. It's not. It's excessive. Excessive is the better word um, because I can't fly all these things all at once. And I can mm-hmm. only I can only get two or three in the car. So it was funny because Adam Drain, who's on the uh, chat now, and we're going to talk about Adam and, and some of the stuff that he's been dealing with too um, because it's globally the industry, what he relates to, um, is in trouble as well. And I want to I touch right. on that. So Adam, stick around. We'll go with the chat back up here in the, in the, in the box. But um, the... <sighs> Like the, there's so many good things, and this was like this was a question I kind of posed earlier on. Um, uh, how do you pick? How do you, you know? And mm. <laughs> it's funny because I I posted a picture a couple weeks ago or earlier in the week about one of the old planes way back when I first started and I was scratch building, and I was almost reminiscing, almost sad that the hobby for me has become so just you know like like I just I want to fly and then there's not enough time and I have all these things and I want to fly like all your products and I want to fly all these other jets I have and just so I can say okay I've flown this jet like 10-15 times here's what I think of it instead of like two or three and so it's it's interesting for myself I'm almost at a point where I'm like okay I need to tap the brakes but then you know you guys go put out your T33 and I'm like oh and then the F100 and I'm like oh <laughs> Meanwhile, there's an A10 I've only flown once, and then there's a, you know, there's there's a Yak and uh, the the you know a chest. Whew, you guys got to slow down. My wallet can't take it. <laughs> yeah, we try to find that balance. I mean, people say, yeah. when's the next thing coming? A, a week, a month after we release something, and on the one hand, they're right. You know, there are so many categories, twenty different categories. Once we add the helicopters and now tanks and all these different sorts of things, there are so many different categories. And there are only so many months, weeks, days in a given year. You, you're right. You sort of have to not only pick which, before you even choose which model in a given category to produce, you need to choose which category to produce and sort of shed some light on it at a given time. So as we always are fond of talking about, it's, it's crystal ball stuff. We put as much data as we can into the, into the algorithm and, and the remaining space. It's a guess. It's a leap of faith. We ask our customers. We we trust what they say. Uh, we trust their instinct, and and we just we just do. <laughs> 
Brian, Brian Chambers comes back and says, get rid of that brake, that brake pedal. Oh, buddy, I wish. I really wish. But it's honestly, I sat there the other night and I was watching the movie. And, and, and if anybody's seen my pictures of, uh, of my love, like I said, I'm a really lucky guy. I'm married to like the most wonderful wife. But I'm sitting there going, wow, I really had a good And I thought I thought I was kind of calm in 2019. And, and all of a sudden it was like bang, 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 you know, three or four planes in a row. And, and the problem, I think, is they've all gotten bigger. Is that do you, do you get that sense too, Alpha, that like uh, you guys are starting to produce some pretty sizable aircraft? And so storage is a legitimate concern you you were socializing some of you you, you know your work shelf and I, I i asked you a question of how often do you have to dust all that stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah we actually have a guy come in and dust that stuff because it's a lot <laughs> it is it um, is yeah, we're, we're trending larger uh i think that's more in response to sort of market preferences but the small stuff is still you mentioned you mentioned sort of off the cuff or off the wall aircraft. That P fifteen is both. It's both small and yeah. very, very rare and unknown, and turned out to be a massive seller um, and nice. very popular. Why? Because it flew. People, people will look at it and will, will probably buy it first because either they recognize it or they've seen it before somewhere or something. But once you get past that first phase, and once an, a product makes it to the field, then for better or for worse word will spread either that isn't a good flyer or it's good but only for these kinds of people or that's good for everyone whatever it is um regardless of sort of the provenance of the aircraft and my personal reasons as to why i made the p-15 all that goes out the window um people just want to know does it fly nicely so that's in that way to sort of answer your question in a roundabout way it almost simplifies all of the the pair pulling we do here what's going to be perfect (laughs) at this given time um, we didn't know that the T-33 would be perfect, and it isn't, um, but it's it's done pretty well. And if anything, I think we've learned that, you know, perfect is the enemy of really, really good enough. Um, well, I mean, something, something, and I always give the hats off, you guys, you know, with what, when you release a plane, you're doing it, and you're doing it for an emotional reason, right? I mean, that that aircraft, you know, anybody who sees it goes, yeah, I knew someone who flew in it, or my dad flew it. You know, they're just, there's just a reason. So it's, um, you know, it's kind of fun to watch, and I almost think, ooh, are they going to, I mean, you'll never run out of ideas. If you look at all the suggestions that are sitting here in the chat while this while we're talking away on the, on the YouTube chat, you've got everything, you know, you know, uh, a, a Vulcan, a mosquito, you know, you and and like you said, you have your segments. So you've got your single engine warbird, you got your twin jet, your twin your multi-engine warbird and so on and so on and so on. So uh, you know, Good inter. You're on two podcasts at once, Alpha. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm on. I'm on both of y'all. There's some of your listeners are on two different podcasts. I, I love that everyone's sitting in their homes. I imagine us all sort of sitting somewhere, locked in from coronavirus, or maybe yep. it's too cold outside, or it's yep. too dark, or the wife said no flying today. But for <laughs> whatever reason, <laughs> this has become like the way to reach out to. Uh, there's so many different people. Um, but like you were saying, people are, I, I think, I also imagine people sitting home and sort of planning out their spring. You know, what what are they going to fly yes. next? Yes. What's the, what do I have to fix that I crashed in October? 
the fly or should I just buy something new or how are the batteries? How is the remote? (laughs) Do I need more receivers? Yeah. Oh, there's so many things to look into. And yeah, I've got my hit list. I got to repair my A10. I got that beautiful balsa project behind me. And then uh, you you can't see it or you might have seen it in the preview cam, but I brought home my... um, uh, my fun cup. My dad, uh, unfortunately, doesn't want to fly anymore due to his neck. Uh, so I'm like, well, I'm going to go steal my fun cup back and I'll put that thing through the ringer for a little bit, you know? So it's, uh, yeah. Which size? Is it the multiplex fun cup? Yes, it is. It yeah, is. That's a, and that's talking an, about an oldie but goodie. Bajora, John Barnes, he was uh, messaging me the other day and sent me a picture of a Hobby King, um, a f- what was it, where they called Fun Flyer, Fun Racer or something? But he had a he had a, a rare bear that was mm. that's probably at this point. I mean, those are almost ten years old, if I recall. Yep. And uh, and we immediately sort of said we immediately remember just how fun those things were, you know. So to your point about size, like oh, I know. I want larger, but but also the the oldie but goodies models like that. It's a ten year old model. Uh, the fun cub you're flying. I mean, it's still one of the better flying sort of cub-ish layout aircraft they're just they're just really fun well this, Do you have skis on yours no but i could you know like this is it i could and it was funny go. because i the guys were well my my, my good friends were, were really chastising me saying why haven't you been out and i'm like look i'm dealing with a lot of stuff in life and i <laughs> love to get out flying and everything uh did you see victor is asking me did you see my first a10 landing i'll look at the video <laughs> later <laughs> victor. oh dear was it video. good yeah, it could have been any worse than mine. <laughs> How many landings um, was it? <laughs> uh, but like, like earlier in the week, um, you know, and I and I love I love the fact that social media was popping up, and uh, for for whatever reason, a photo of one of my photos popped up of my old um, Bixler two, and. Wow. You know, so I social, I re-socialized that one and a bunch of friends and a bunch of followers came up and said, oh yeah, I remember that aircraft and we were talking just, you know, early days FPV, like 2014. So like six years ago and there were like my old telema- uh, uh, teleporter goggles, you know, where you, you know, and the running joke is you couldn't see anything with them anyhow. But it was just like, wow, like you look at our, how almost our kick and the stuff we were doing. So it's, it, you know. Gotta love a good good memory run. So, exactly, um, exactly. Earlier on, you were saying Victor's is perfect. <laughs> Just rub it in, buddy. Rub it in. <laughs> um, you you were talking about all the segments and everything, and and you know bringing in different ones and talking to your clients and listening to your clients. So. You know, when you when you go and you venture into a new category and everything, do you see do you see an uptick in the market, or you just see the same kind? This is going to be a hard one, I suppose. But do you see the same customers just widening their 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 product line with you? One, because of they 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 trust you as a provider, and two, they just you know they're just there already. Or I I'm not sure the yeah, question is well phrased. A bit of both. You, a bit of both. I get it. I mean, the tanks is probably the best. Um, recent example, RC tanks have been around for a long time. I've been an RC tanker for over 20 years. Uh, Never mentioned the peep of it on Hobby Squawks. Didn't necessarily see the need to. Um, But when we we decided to bring in Henlong tanks in a major way, both of our warehouses and um, just 
all that we did for to introduce that brand, it's it's doing a bit of both to answer your question. On the one hand, we want to sort of say for any anyone anyone of you of our current family who who are jet jockeys or warbird guys and you've never seen an RC tank or have never been inclined to try one or or wherever you fall on the familiarity of RC tank spectrum, you know, we've got them and we think you one of you might like them. So look at our media, read through all the hundreds of thousands of words I wrote on them and and decide if you want to add this to your collection or buy something like this instead of the Avanti or just say, no, I'm good. I'm just going to buy that T33. Um, we sort of have that feedback from our current customer group. At the same time, we're also doing all of that effort to reach a new, new audience, people who are coming from the surface world, uh, maybe younger RC operators who I don't know, who don't have the inclination or the ability or the space or the desire to fly a large twin-engine airliner. Some of them, they want to be able to go in their backyard, take out the airsoft gun, and shoot stuff. Um, <laughs> that, that's an entirely yes. different sort of uh, market. So to answer your question as to how did the numbers pan out, well, it, it, it depends on from which of those two categories the, the major influx comes. And so far, it looks to be about even. We've had... A lot of people, in fact, Mary Boozer, uh, Wes and Lori are on their podcast right now talking about a Walker Bulldog unboxing, uh, one of the tanks that he bought. And Wes is someone who went to Joe Nall with us last uh, last fall. Andre, if you ever get out there, you're coming with us too. But mm -hmm. I, quite frankly, would never have imagined him to be a tank guy. He's got like four now and it is a complete tank nut. So that's kind of neat. Um, we also have a couple of our of our longtime RC airplane buddies who've s expressed zero interest in tanks, and that's okay. Um, I think what our job is, what our focus is, give people options. That's all. If we give them options, and by option I mean something that's good, something that we've tested, something that we can stand behind, then they can choose whatever they want. I'm not trying to micromanage anyone's hangar. You know, <laughs> I just want them to enjoy the hobby. So and it's worked so far. Well, I mean, I I I started off with a crawler, and now I've got a whole bench full of RC trucks. And it's there are days when it's just like it was so windy and cold yesterday, and so my buddy and I we slapped a we got our two trail not even trail trucks what did I it was a slash tracks a slash, and we tried some paddle tires on it. It was absolutely disastrous. But in the end, we just ended up you know finding a snowbank and running off the snowbanks and seeing how far we could jump the things right. So it's, exactly. it's, it's, it's like, Hey, I got a battery. Let's go. Um, it's funny cause I've got pulled up on the website or sorry, on the stream right now is one of your, uh, your German tigers, you know, King tiger and they look neat. I, it's funny because you, the one sixteenth scale and I don't really have any way to gauge the size. They don't look overly huge, but then I can't really tell <laughs> yeah there so like the king tiger you've got a 110 you have like an scx 10 or something like that right yes yeah, yeah so they're they're sort of right about that size except they're going to be 12 pounds in the case of the king tiger so they're just nice. just that sort of overall displacement as i call it um and they're they're going to be i mean the 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 uh, axial is going to be a little taller but but overall displacement when you're sort of holding it and figuring out what kind of shelf space am I going to need for this thing. 
they run to be about like a one-tenth scale truck um, on average. Some of them are smaller or whatnot, but once you add the, the metal for the professional versions, they get fairly heavy, for better or worse. Some people prefer sort of the six-pound um, plastic exterior tanks, and some people are going to prefer the 10, 11, 12 pounds of the, of the metal exterior ones. That's... That's just crazy. Uh, I'm guessing, I'm just scrolling through real quickly because I actually have not looked at these much, but okay, 2S power, okay. Yep. Gotcha. And then just a simple yes. remote and everything, and I'm assuming you can run off the remote, or do you, I, well, okay, I already know, Alpha, you upgrade everything, don't you? <laughs> well, that, well, that's, a, well, I do. <laughs> the nice thing about these, they have a they have what's called an MFCB. It's a multifunction control board. It's, uh, it's the TK6, and in a nutshell, these things are they're completely RTR. Um, I've been, again, a tanker for, for many, many years. Uh, Henlong's been around since 1986, in fact. And, it's, and I've, had, I've had some of their tanks going back 15 years. It was only last year that they finally sort of graduated. Um, their electronics sort of finally rose to the level that we decided, okay, now's the time. Because this is something that it has, it's all 2.4 gigahertz, uh, proportional controls, lights, sound, smoke, shoots an airsoft BB, um, has a neat track recoil function. You can program like Expo into it, all from the radio, just pressing a couple of sequences of buttons. So in terms of drivability, sort of being able to open the box and just start driving it with cheap batteries, it's all of those sort of factors came together where we saw this is something that we can offer to our current sort of scale customer base. We just announced a Benchcraft line of airbrushes as well to sort of help support that effort for people just to fall in love with modeling again. Um, and uh, and the tanks sort of are the, that first platform where it really makes sense, um, aside from air. We're going to be trying some other things as well. We've got construction coming and a few other surprises. So Nice. And... For those who don't know, Alpha's got his own. He he graduated to Instagram. Congratulations! And <laughs> you were you were showing some three D mods, three uh, D printed mods to a couple of these tanks uh, from the from the turret and stuff like this. Um, so are you seeing you know similar tendencies where people like to do their own hmm. little you know kit yeah, bashing, if you will? Nice. Yeah, we are. Nice. The, the tanks are a weird um, weird as in a good thing. They're sort of this confluence of scalers people very historically accurate there's a guy named rubicon 99 and rich johnson the two of them on our on our tanker forum are bona fide scale nuts they they'll they know if the bolt is or the rivet is is out of place so that's the m4a3 not the m4a2 or that's the 75 not the 77 millimeter can like they they know that and it's great because they can go in and modify accurize the model that sort of suits their historical preference. And then there are people sort of finding tanks for the first time. They just want to make them dirty and weather them. And so sort of more of the creative artists, I call them. They're not necessarily looking for historical accuracy. Uh, I did a King Tiger where its its paint isn't perfectly accurate, but it's weathered really nicely, and that's what I liked about it. So it, it just provides that. And then, of course, there are people who really just want to tinker these tanks, make them go faster, make them jump, speaking of jumping, which they'll do, um, make them pull things, which they can do. And so it's that really, it's in hindsight, it's one of those perfect platforms for different people for different reasons to sort of come in and play with something. And it's, it's, it's all good. 
you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with however people decide to interface with these things. That's kind of cool. Uh, Carl asked a real important question. Just uh, how do how do these tanks handle getting wet and things like snow? Um, yeah, good question, Hilda. Um, so in general, you're not going to want to get a tank wet, even the real ones. Real tanks don't like water and sand, and they're not rock crawlers. Neither <laughs> is their RC counterparts. Um, <laughs> You know, a, a big old twenty million dollar Abrams tank, or however much they cost, they'll get stuck in a meter of in a, in a meter long ditch. Like there's just, you know, the same it is with these tanks. So these are these are optimized as as I say for sort of scale terrain. Grass is fine, gravel, riverbeds, that type of stuff. If you're gonna run them through water, um, you don't want to. You never want to submerge the vehicle. Um, again, they're not RC trail trucks. I got a lot of those, and I love those not what a tank is for the tanks are really more intended for people who want something that looks super scale leave it on the shelf drive it around indoors from time to time or where they really excel with the tk6 inside of them is they have an infrared battle system where it's basically laser tag but with tanks so all of our tanks on our website have a have a infrared transmitter buried in the mantlet facing forward aligned with the main gun and they also have a little, a little magnetic IR apple that you clip up on top of the turret. Basically, you and all your buddies are driving around, and you're taking pot shots at each other. And when you hit sort of his tank, his tank will shake. And after a few hits, his tank will shut down. So it's it's laser tag in the desert, sort of speaking, with, with tanks. And there are we're finding large RC clubs and people around the world who really sort of doll up their tanks <clears throat> for looks, and also those people who... Who optimize them for performance specifically to fight other tanks so that's something that we've tried to do in rc airplanes but it's difficult it's really difficult to line up behind another aircraft while it's moving in space um but with tanks it's it's really fun on squawk in fact we have some people already putting fpv camera gear into their tanks yeah driving around shooting yeah. at each other you, you can imagine with corona sort of sitting indoors with your tv watching your your tank drive around shooting things um, Jeez, as yeah. long as you avoid neighborhood animal animals, you know, I think again, it's, it's all good with me, <laughs> but Hilda, you're going to want to, you're going to want to keep them mostly dry for the record, go to YouTube and find people waterproofing these things, um, which is something that can be done, but it's more of a DIY market at that point. That's very interesting. And it's got sound packs, smoke, and these things are crazy. So interesting. Yeah. You said twenty years of driving RC tanks. That's that. That is yeah. impressive. In the nineties, I used to love RC warships. I did mm. um, RC uh, warship battles with quarter-inch ball bearings, compressed air. So we'd sail them around, and you pull holes. up alongside a Bismarck or something. You blast holes in each other, and then the hulls were designed to let in water. You, you had to have enough surface area for a given vessel to bring water in and there's a whole scale of a battleship could have so many pumps to pull water out of it and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I was into more of more that side of, of these sort of surface hobbies. And uh, we're now in a position to sort of bring those things um, to sort of our standard, I'll say feels like a w wrong, weird word to say, but it's true. Um, and Henlong was really the first and we hope many of factories to say, We'll meet that standard. We'll produce them as you want them. We'll support them as you need them. We'll develop new ones. You know, we'll listen. So we're we're pretty excited. 
Cool. All right, so so here's a question. I'm looking at the Panther. There's an upgrade edition and then the professional edition. What's the difference between the two of them? Primary difference is all of the professional versions um, have metal tracks and metal drive sprockets. Ah. That's really the main distinction. Uh, All of the upgrades, um, Hemlong has four different versions, original, upgrade, upgrade A, and professional. It gets really weird really fast. So we just brought in two different variations, the Upgrade and the Pro. The, the Pro is the more expensive of the two because it's got more metal in it. But internally, they're the same. They both have steel uh, gear sets, which is a key difference. We didn't bring in the originals that have plastic gears. Yeah. You know, the, the cheapest tank on our website is still the one is still going to have steel gears inside of it. That was very important to us. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense because those are... Anybody, well, I mean, you look at the loads and everything, especially on a treaded vehicle. They're something like that's going to be exactly absolutely crazy. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, exactly. man. That is really and some of the tanks I prefer plastic. I wrote a lot in Hobby Squawk about uh, every tank I wrote a review on, and I think I'm pretty candid and objective there. Some of these tanks are better with plastic tracks. I like them lighter. Some of them I like them heavier, and. Um, Again, we don't want to make people have to choose, so we, we brought in both variations. And I but guess functionally, they look the same, and, and most of them is essentially the same inside. And I guess something like a metal track, you don't want to run over your hardwood floors. Yeah, good point. Um, <laughs> Mark's got an Abrams professional, and he's tearing up his floors. But um, it's not going to... I mean, they, they're 12 pounds, but in, in fact, if you do the math on ground pressure, which is the total weight of the tank and divided by the, by the area of, of sort of the pads that are touching the ground at any given time, it's not, it's not that bad. Uh, where you're going to run into issues is if you're accelerating. So if you give these to a, a child and he's just, he or she is just gassing it and they're accelerating, sort of spinning, you can almost drift some of these tanks. They're very fast. Um, if, you, if you're accelerating off of carpet and, and transition into a wood floor area, you can, you can probably scratch up your wood floors. So indoor tanks, shelf queens, sort of artistic, uh, high scale models. You're not going to want to take out into the mud. The, the cheaper plastic version is going to be more than enough. Um, yeah, the metals are really, the metals are brutes. If you're going to be taken out outdoors, if you want to be pulling anything, you know, that's where you're going to want the professional. Just don't drop it on your foot. No. Ask no. me how I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's kind of interesting to see that the the I went to the best selling off the uh, off the um, Motion RC website, and it's the Abram. Uh, go figure, right? I mean, that's got to yeah, be figure. that's got to be a tank that a lot of people know and and we're very familiar with. So very cool. Yeah, the, uh, the Sherman and the Abrams flew off the shelf. You know. Yeah. No, uh, no surprise. Yep. No surprise there. Alice Sherman, really good movie. Tank. We all saw that as kids, right? I'm not alone in that statement. <laughs> Hopefully not. That was good. Uh, it was funny. I don't know if Victor's still on the chat because he was. Um, he he mentioned that uh, his A10 landing was perfect, 
and that um, he never wanted an A10. And I was kind of curious if he's still out there listening, uh, if he can tell us which one he was flying. Uh, and uh, knowing him, it's probably a Motion RC aircraft, uh, the, 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 the Freewing A10, which is a big, big aircraft. But since he's got the airliner and everything, he probably has the room to fly it and has the experience flying it. But we'll see if he comes back and mention it. We'll take it up. If not, uh, we'll carry on discussing some of the hobbies. So, yeah, you, you've got your... You mentioned uh, you're jumping a lot of uh, trucks these days since you're snowed in. What are you jumping? Uh, well, this on this particular one, so it's, it's funny because it's myself and the cap, Captain Drone, and we were going to try and run the... Um, uh, <laughs> Victor says he's still lurking. All right, well, once Victor feeds in there, I want to hear what A-10 he's got. Uh, I've been flying, driving my Traxxas Slash, uh, and that, that truck, I actually spent the money... Um, to buy the, the paddle tires and I was horribly disappointed uh, I'll put the video into uh, into the uh, the chat later on uh, when it comes out but I was horribly disappointed because the tires they're the slingshots the proline slingshots and mm. they're more of a sn- uh, no sorry sand paddle tire um, so I'm going to try this thing in the beach later on this year um, so it's funny because the winter trucks driving in the winter for those who don't know you want access to the entire chassis. Now, I have a Losi Super Baja Ray, which is like a, what, 1-6 scale? So it's a big mm-hmm, truck. Mm-hmm. It's got some weight. And the problem I discovered running into the winter is all the snow gets crammed up inside the electrical bay. And because it's a desert truck, the way they built up the chassis, you can't actually get in there to get the snow out. And someone gave me a really cool tip was like, use your air compressor. Um, but when it's minus 20 outside, the air compressor is not really happy. So. <laughs> I don't tend, it, it will, it's in the garage and everything, but you know, I don't know what, what's going on inside the chamber and I don't want that thing to, 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 to suffer any failures, but it was a neat idea. But, uh, I've got another truck that I've recently picked up that I'm in the middle of repairing. I think that'll be my winter truck. And it's funny because you know, you talk about planes, you talk about, uh, you know, your tanks and everything and certain things work great and certain conditions and then you quickly learn oh this vehicle i'm doing more damage yeah. to this thing than if i go out and i get something else so i kind of pretty was clear like, hard stop <laughs> well i mean like, oh it's you're like, not going to do that well the, the super baja ray is a really nice truck but it's not a cheap vehicle either so you're kind of like wow you know and, and like like you said you know your tanks are not designed to run in in water or snow or anything like this and so you can run it, but then you've got to be willing to do that hard maintenance. And it's 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 akin to like something like a like a gas airplane or something like that. You've you've got to run it, then afterwards you've got to make sure it's clean. We're spoiled with our foam and our electric batteries because unless you've run yeah, on the grass, you just land them and yeah, <laughs> unless you get them dirty the and full of grass or whatever, you really you just put them back in the car. But something like this, like yeah. these some of these trucks, I really. Um, I like to try and take care of them. So I was kind of like, eh, I've got these really nice paddle tires. It's okay. It's fun. It's hilarious to watch it because the thing just rips across the ground. Um, and <laughs> But uh, I've discovered quickly, like I said, the snow just gets compounded inside. So I've actually got another, it's, uh, it's like more of a monster truck, but the top comes off so I can clean it all out. So that'll be the, the winter 
snow machine, and it's only 4S versus 6S, so a little bit more tame. Nice. Um, following up on Victor's statement, he says, I flew my buddy's A-10 a few times, only the median for him. Uh, the third flight was him because the crosswinds were very bad last week. So that, again, is the free wing, and I guess it's probably stocks. That's an 80 mil? Yeah, that's right. It's a twin 80. Still, big, impressive aircraft. Uh, so... So I take it, Victor, you're not going to get one. <laughs> uh, and then Michael Perry says, I need to find someone with RC tanks on YouTube. I've never seen them run. So uh, I'm assuming Motion check RC. Check our will, website. Yeah, check the Motion Go RC Go to Motion website. RC, look at our YouTube channel. We've yeah. got about 20 different videos of every tank. And even on every product page, there's links to the video for that specific tank. Yeah. But um it's I love the learning curve. For me, I, I like you're speaking of sort of you gotta be able to service this in a specific way or if you take this to that terrain you're gonna need to be cognizant of this or that. I, I love the learning curve inherent of sort of every different part of RC, whether it's a dirigible or a UMX or a submarine or or one of these things. Like that that's so that for me is exciting. It's a learning curve. We need to tell customers, look, these aren't, you know, if you're going to put it in water, put it in mud, you're going to need to do X, Y, and Z. But I think by and large, so far, most of our customer family has sort of shown that they're like us. Um, not to see confirmation bias or anything, but it's nice to sort of see that they, they're they not they're not dissuaded by something that they're going to need to learn a bit something new about. Um, most of us are snowed in right now anyway, <laughs> or virused in. Uh, and so might as well start learning, start watching some videos. And again, to, to your, to your listener, making the decision if this is something that they want to try or not. Interesting point. Interesting point. So it's, it's funny. It's almost, um, we see, you know, when you, when you talk about the virus, you, you see a lot of things going on from, you know, the sporting and industry and everything kind of doing a reset, um, do you feel like that's going to happen to you guys where you're going to have to do a little bit of a, you know, break tap pause and just let everything calm down before, you know, you re mm. reassume operations? Not really. Um, <laughs> the, the thing is, is, um, I mean, it, one of the advantages of being on the ground and should have seen this come up. And I know the world's talking about coronavirus now we've, Asia's been dealing with it for three months now. Um, so it's very much a known quantity. I, I mean, I'm not a pathologist by any means, but we've sort of seen the trend in Asia. We've seen the flare-up. We've seen sort of things settle down. And to answer your question, that that's important for us to sort of see how that played out because it helps to directly inform our planning for the next month, two, three, six, twelve. Um and the short answer is no, I, I don't think it's going to constitute any major interruptions. We, we've needed to make some changes, but the reality is we make changes every day. <laughs> There's all, always things that need to be adjusted. And so, um, so far, so far our people are okay, our, our assets are humming along, and um, yeah, we just wish everyone, take this thing seriously, an ounce of prevention is worth a ton of cure. And I think we'll all get through this. Good stuff. Good, good points. Actually, very, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. But I think um, I think everybody will uh, come out unscathed. Hopefully, 
Uh, sorry, I'm just making some button changes here. Cool. All right. So, carrying on, uh, Victor. <laughs> Victor says, I loved how it flew and it may have sold. He may be sold on it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I know what that is. There we means. go, Victor. Yeah, Victor. What power right. system was in it, Victor? That's what I'm curious. I think he said it, was, um, it had a few mods was in it, stock? but it's probably pretty stock as far as an 80. You tell me you fly yours on a 90, man? <laughs> Of course you do, right? <laughs> you probably swap between the two of them. Oh, I, I boy. Bone stock. Bone stock, eh? Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, That's... for any of the free wing stuff, I know it's super cliche because I seem to always say it, but it's true. I mean, I the stock stuff is how we did, how we intended it. It's, it's To me, it's the balance. Some people are going to say, now, Alpha, that, that A4 is too slow. You need to put this in it. Great. That's how we sell that power system knock yourself out you know more power to you but the stock setups are really sort of if anyone ever knew how wanted to know how alpha would prefer that al37 flu or that t33 flu or that a6 just look at the stock system that's my preference now cars trucks that's a totally different thing because i do i do see the rtr mentality of making things easy accessible and sort of out of the box and go but yeah i'm one of the tinkerer tinker tanker guys and tinker truck guys where i need to you know gotta lock that differential or gotta try that new pipe just something there's always sort of something to play with um i you, so, yeah. you're, gonna, you're gonna laugh because uh, uh my my buddy there captain drone is a massive he's like you've got to get your first gas truck and i'm like oh gosh you know i want to get a gas plane first you know it's, but it's it's funny um and then I drove one of his trucks, his Red Cat, and I was stunned. I'm like, oh, yeah, they don't have reverse. That's annoying. And it's loud. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, Which Red Cat? Uh, the one-fifth scale monster truck, version three or whatever. Oh, oh yeah. yeah the, the, oh. The, the Clawback, I think it was, oh, or the Rampage? Was Rampage. it more the Dune style? The Rampage. Rampage. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But my, my ears, my ears were ringing after I drove it, right? And I'm like, oh, man, this yeah. is... It's loud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, ah, yeah. oh, ah. Oh. But I, I should probably be nice and really focus on a good airplane, right? So um, let's see. I'm reading some of the comments here. Brian Chambers says, having planes on sales gets my mind off the whole virus issue. And, and agreed. And and this is this is one of the genesis of why this this you know this chat's going on this evening just to kind of help everybody just relax a little bit give some people some listening because you know uh, a lot of fun rambling there you go (laughs) (laughs) comments as they come up um and michael perry comes up and says i i love captain drone was always fun to see you on his channel and yes uh and ironically enough we uh, we shot yet another video this weekend we've shot a couple other ones and just steve and i are just purring along going and, and and I always take my hats off to um, uh, say no to Red Cat. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> um, They're not so uh, bad. Oh, it's it's whatever. <laughs> you know, it's 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 all about the experience. But anyhow, uh, Steve yeah. and I, Captain Drone and I are, are like, dude's got like 110,000 followers on his YouTube channel. Like, I salute the crap out of really? his his. his uh, out of his effort and um you know he's just having a time and we get together and we fly and he's making me push and fly and everything and just he's like come on you gotta you gotta step up on your camera work on the drones and all this stuff and i'm like yeah i know i've got an 
you know, so it, it, we're, we're having fun. So lots of common content from him coming up and then doing the podcast because I can, uh, snow is melting. Rick Collins. Yes, it is. Ottawa. Well, it was colder today, but you know, and everybody's keep, we're keeping our fingers crossed that it keeps melting and melting. Uh, this time last year we were having another snowstorm and I, I've got photos of a giant ice dam in front of the driveway. So progress, hopefully the fields come up. Um, it sounds funny, but we're going to be, the kids are off now for their under March break and they're keeping the schools closed till early April. And it was kind of funny to hear some of my retired buddies going, well, the best part of that is I can take off and go fly whenever I want at the park, right? Because there's the schools are closed you know, during the week. And, uh, I think, uh, I think the guys at the flying field, the, the, um, the club I'm part of are just itching to go, but the photos I saw today was the whole place was flooded out. So they've got to wait a couple more days for the grounds to, uh, to, to solidify a little bit more, I think. And then, yeah, yeah. actually, Hey, I had a good, I had a good question for you that I was going to, I'm looking at my notes. Um, so the biggest thing I suffer from here is like when I fly my jets, I don't know if I'm going to be able to fly my jets out of the field uh, where I fly it of the, with the flying club because I don't know if the grass is going to be trimmed down enough just to be able to get enough run-up speed or when I land, it's not like putting the anchor out, right? So the problem mm. I run into is that the field, the, uh, so the, 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 the park I fly of, we, it's a gravel running track and it's really ripply until June, until things settle out. So it's like... What would you fly if you needed a rough field aircraft that was an EDF? Mm. That I needed to roll on ground with? Hard, like bumpy ground, you know, avoid FOD, everything. Like, what would be your, you know, utilitarian, you know, kind of rough, 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 rough flying, rough landing, but it had to be an EDF? What would you build? What would you design? If it had to be an EDF, I'd probably, I mean, something we've already made would be something like the, uh, like the A-10. It may even be the Venom with the bottom with the underbelly cheaters covered. The reason why, or the, the T-33 I could almost put into that category. The reason why when I think, when I think uh, rough field, I'm not so worried about the takeoff. I'm worried about the landing. So the um, an aircraft landing. where I'm... Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a multi-part landing, a multi-piece landing is is better avoided. So, to me, I think um, I think of aircraft that can come in stably, slow, steeply if need be. If I'm flying with the trees or swirling winds, so it's probably aircraft like that. If I was designing an all-new aircraft, it may end up looking something like um, I don't know, like a like a well, what would you like a Hawkeye maybe? I mean, something where It'd be high wing. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what I do? I do a vigilante. For you, any any listener who knows what a what an A five vigilante is, I would probably do something like that. It's high wing, uh, long body, so stable, a bit like an F fourteen without the sweep, um, big undercarriage, something like that. Is probably is probably what I do. But anything we've got now, you're thinking of short field capability, mid or high wing preference. Um, and then ducting that's either covered or intakes that are sort of higher than normal. So that's where the A-10 really sticks yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, aviation and fun, F-16, no. I wouldn't bring an F-16 to a to an unkempt field, at least not our F-16s. Any F-16 done right is going to have sort of scale configuration landing gear. Its stance is going to be narrower 
by volume, by proportion, than a conventional aircraft with mains out on the wings. So more prone to tipping is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and also the undercarriage mechanisms not really conducive to multiple bounces. <laughs> That's what I'd say. I know that I know that one for a fact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, yeah. More than three more than three landings within ten second period, you know, usually not healthy. Yeah. Uh, undercarriage. Honestly the the I mean I've done it. You've you saw what I did with my uh, BA Hawk and I'm gonna have to actually the the um, the E Flight F four wasn't bad, but for that one I definitely come in off power. It flies in just fine, but I'm always anything that's got a large cheater hole in the bottom because it's a gravel track. I'm off the power because I'm just I've I, I've replaced a fan on what did I replace it on the vi, uh, the Vampire because I just it, it was shredded. Um, F fifteen, yeah, the F fifteen maybe because of the way the the. It's all about, in, in a rough field, it's all about where the landing gear is in relationship. Yeah, right, right I went to the, the F-15. Yeah? It's yeah. just... Well, no, the f fifteen stance is going to be close like the F-16. Like F-16. And yeah. yes, while it is a high wing, um, aviation and fun, you're right, it's a higher wing, so better than some of the other aircraft on there. It's, it's any, any model whose mains are sort of in its fuselage, you're just going to run a, a greater risk of tipping over. The F-15 on tarmac will tip over um, if, if turned too steeply. So you're really you're at really back towards the classics, the sport jets, like an Avanti. Avanti would be perfect. Uh, any scale jet, you're looking at something like the Venom, uh, not the F-104, probably not the F5, not the A6. I mean, I can go right down the line and, and think yeah. of ones that are optimal and ones that aren't. But it's going to be bigger undercarriage, protective intakes. Um, yeah, cargo jet, I could do something sweet, something like a, gosh, a C-17 would be beautiful. But uh, then you run into issues of, like, ground clearance, even with a yeah. C-130, a C-5, Galaxy, a 131, any of those um, where, again, they're under, their mains are in their fuselage, they tend to have really low ground clearance. C C one thirty comes immediately to mind, or the Galaxy. So, you run into a whole bunch of small wheels, and now you're now you're plowing through the through the snow or yeah. through the grass or yeah. or what have you. Uh, um, aviation and funds has the flex jet. So so I have the flex jet. It is a nice aircraft, but boy, does that thing need a lot of run out. And so on a grass field, whoo, unless it's manicured, oh boy. Because um, even on my track, I use the entire track, and it's like hold, 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 pull. <laughs> and there've been a couple yeah. like there've been a couple of questionable pulls, and I'm like, you know what? I'm running some pretty. Well, there were 40C packs. Maybe that thing would really do well in a high, high voltage pack. But, um, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Victor's saying, like, the C5 is low. Yeah, because the whole principle behind the Galaxy is that the wings droop until it's in the air, right? Until it's on the <laughs> load. Yeah. So you'd come in, and as soon as that thing, as soon as you let off the throttle, if it's designed anywhere near, like, a scale aircraft, yeah. And then you got to be able to put it into a C17. Well, that's four motors. That, that gets complicated. Um, but, oh, it's, uh, you know what, the, the world's your oyster for any of these designs, but there are gotta be, there's gotta be something that's really cool. And it's, uh, you know, um, oh, the YC-14, the Boeing, the predecessor that had the motors up top, yeah. right? So it had its, it had its jet yeah. stacks on the top, it looked completely ridiculous, but guess what? You were, you got a high wing, you've got a, uh, a wide fuselage, you've got a, I think it's a, 
detail configuration, and you got motors that won't suck any snow in. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, it'd be there's so many options. Um, again, the prop jobs work well. Yeah, they really are. Um, it was interesting because I've got the um, the the EC fifteen hundred, the E flight EC fifteen hundred, and I was I was looking at photos. You okay? <laughs> I was looking at photos uh, of them flying it on someone landing in skis, and it still had a tendency to dig in, which was really interesting. So I hadn't had a chance to fly mine. i got to try that on floats next year for sure. Yeah, uh, ski flying is really fun. But but the conditions have to be right because you don't really have a, a steep prow on a lot of um, RC skis. They tend to be really more flat than anything. I do yeah. for grass. Yeah, but if any, if that prowl digs in, you're you're end over end. Yeah, and I had that. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I had that on on some of my other twins there, the Hobby King, the uh, the Bush Mule, and the Sky Mule. And if you if you hit a footprint in the snow, and the nose would just go thump, and then it's just carnage, right? And even the EC fifteen hundred, I damaged the servo in the first weekend because I drifted off the runway, oh, and 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 broke my steering servo. But you know, whatever, right? It's a servo. Put a metal gear in and be done. Yeah, there's more foam in China. <laughs> there's more servos in China. Mm. We're not crashing. We're not flying enough. Uh, let's but, see. Everybody's talking. Let's see. What do you really want us uh, is... Oh, the timber. Ah, yeah, I've got a high... Look, I've got a fun cup behind me. Throw some skis on that. That's like a perfect little winter airplane. You don't even need skis on that because it'll do vertical takeoff. You know, drop exactly. the flaps, gun it, and go, right? It's, uh, there are some yeah. really nice aircraft for that, too. Um, I guess I almost want to ask you, what do you got coming in the pipe, but you won't tell me. So, But, you know, are you looking at different categories? I know a while back you were, you know, like your trainer categories. Are you guys going to be working in that, or are you still kind of content to keep your advanced pilots happy? Um. We, uh, yeah, how to answer that question. We, something, something for everyone. I'm going to go back to my tried and true phrase whenever, whenever someone asks that question, something for everyone. And we're, we're very, suffice to say, we're very uh, cognizant of sort of how this world, how this hobby world is evolving and it is evolving. There, there's, there are a lot of changes that have happened in the past couple of years. There are a lot of cha- changes that, that are sort of pending or looming on the horizon. We've, we've all heard about um, remote uh, identification here in the U.S. Um, and, and other similar type legislations or, or rulings or restrictions that are being proposed elsewhere in the world. So it's, a, it's evolving on a regulatory standpoint. It's, it's evolving in sort of the the nature, age, and disposition of the average RC flyer. Um, bringing in something like tanks, something like airbrushes from Benchcraft and other product lines, it, it isn't rocket science that we're trying to cater to a wider uh, base of, of hobbyists, of hobbyists, period. Because again, surprise, surprise, I've been a tanker just as long as I've been a pilot. Um, it, it, it shouldn't be a surprise that we're always going to want to have trainers, jets, and an and equal amount of both. We haven't really had a lot of introductory aircraft. We've, we've sort of become known as the guys who, once you know how to fly, go to motion, they've got a lot of selections for you. So um, a smart person would likely remedy that soon. 
<laughs> and that's all I need to know. So, um, sub two fifty Classen, are you guys still looking at something like that? Same answer. All right, all right, all right, all right. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for more updates throughout the year. Good stuff. Um, I was gonna pick your brain. I out of time. Hey, just made it. Out of hey? time. FPV just made it to the podcast. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> Woohoo! Funny not missing one. There you go. Out of time. Welcome. It's funny because you know we were thinking about wrapping soon. <laughs> um. There are so many cool little things going on. Uh, it was interesting to see Flex kind of working with Flight Test to build, come out with a little uh, flight controller, which is pretty cool. The little yeah. Aurora, uh, not Aurora, Aura, whatever it was called. I got I got called out on it and saying it wrong. <laughs> I was tired. It happens. DJI, DJI, you know. Um, are, I know you guys are in that market space as well with a couple of your receivers. Do you still get a lot of demands for stabilized aircraft, or is this one of those things where you feel it flies fine and on its own? You know, it's a fair question. I think when when we've said in the past, and, and even a few minutes ago, something for everyone, um, that comes at a cost. And I should qualify by that by saying you know, everything will come when it's ready. When it's ready, when we're ready for it. You know, do we need to be the masters of every single category in RC? No. You know, we, we do what we do, What I, th I think what we do, we do very well. Um, we're not perfect, but we do it very well. Um, if there are other, or as there are other uh, players and experts in other spaces, you know, I applaud that. And I, um, I, I think it should never be understated just how much people at Motion RC are hobbyists first. We, we buy from everybody. If it's good, we, we buy it. We're addicts like everyone else, and we fill our, piss off our wives and fill up our, our every living space nook and cranny with RC and batteries and all those, you know, we're just like, we're just like everyone else. So the, the only way I can really answer that question, Andre, is saying that if we think we can do something really well, mm. we'll try and do it. Um, if and until we think that it, that space is better served by someone else, we'll buy it from them. <laughs> um, that might sound that might sound odd to hear someone say, but it's it's genuine. We we want everyone to, yeah. and we think there's space for everyone to really, you know, cut out a, a part of this global pie and really own it and really serve it well and give customers options and, you know, none of that's ever going to be a bad thing. Cool. And those are good group of guys over there too. So. Yes. I don't know them really yes. personally, but I, I know a lot of the people who were involved sort of indirectly, and I, I know of them. I, I think I know enough to know that they're another one of the good ones. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. You know what? I think you've got a, a flex jet. I've got a flex jet, right? <laughs> yes, sir. And there's a mamba, and you know, like oh, every time they come out with something, that I get weak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know what, man? I think uh, I think that's a positive way to end the show. I'm gonna tell everybody to, you know, stay safe. Listen to those people, those medical people, with all their advice, and hopefully we will all get through all of this craziness. Alpha, thanks for coming on the show. I mean, man, we managed to turn it to an hour plus of uh, of bantering, and uh, <laughs> you know, hey, good bench flying. And everybody else, I really hope you guys all get out to go flying because uh, 
um, geez, I want to go flying badly. So hopefully the weather starts turning around. The man himself said, "Look, keep, keep, you know, keep looking at this space. Keep checking out all the, uh, you know." Yeah, we're being bumped around. We're being banged around. Things are going a little left, right, and center, up and down. But we're still working to keep this hobby fun and positive and everything. And, and you know, boy. Uh, so it, we all thought 2020 was going to be calm. We're wrong. But, you know, at least we're still oh, going. Yeah. Stay tuned for all the other stuff uh, that's going to come out in the next little while. I'll keep in touch with this man, Alpha. Check for him out on the social. I'll put his uh, Instagram in there. Obviously, you can see him on Hobby Squawk and everything. And uh, everybody have a good evening. Everybody have a okay week, I guess. And uh, thanks for listening. I'm going to pump up some music here and we're going to end the show on a positive high note. Alpha, thanks for coming out and All right. uh, have a fantastic week, buddy. Thanks. You too, buddy. See you Bye. later.